Hello, starlings, and welcome to episode eight of A Spell for Wellness. My name is Chelsea, and as usual, I will be your host. As promised, today's episode is an interview with a longtime friend and fellow ADHDer, Amy Dowland. Amy is 30 years old. She is a mother of three beautiful children, ages 10, 8, and 6. She is a home health registered nurse, and she was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult about three years ago. She would describe herself as scatterbrained and talkative and loves to talk about planning things very carefully but never actually plans them. Amy and I have been friends since we were in middle school, and we have been through probably more than our fair share of difficult times together, but we always find our way back, and we always know that at the end of the day, we're going to understand what the other one is going through. So all of that being said, I am so honored to have her here and so excited to share this interview with you. So let's get this show on the road. Okay, so first of all, I just want to say thank you. Um, this is a really important topic to me. And as one of the first people to sort of support me um, in my, I guess, identifying uh, with my ADHD and getting into the process of being diagnosed, um, it means a lot to me that you agreed to do this. So thank you. You're welcome. You were actually one of the first people to support me as well. So, <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. So I think this is going to be um, a very honest and accurate portrayal of what two people with ADHD uh, can do together for a structured yeah, so, uh, interview. Strap in, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first of all, um, in your own words, what is ADHD? Uh. Okay, so ADHD stands for attention, uh, what, what is it, disorder, hyperactivity disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity hyperactivity disorder, and I hate that, <laughs> which is why I can never remember what it stands for, because we do not have a deficit of attention at all. Um, we just have trouble deciding what we pay attention to. Uh, so... Attention is not the issue. It's just deciding on what we pay attention to. You know, hyper-focusing is definitely a thing and rapid switching of attention is a thing, but there's no such thing as deficit in ADHD. Right. When when we want to focus, we can focus the crap out of something if we want to. <laughs> yeah, it's a superpower. It's a superpower. <laughs> and so um, with that, how does ADHD present differently in boys versus girls, typically? Yeah, so... Um, not all the time. Of course, you know, there's always exceptions. So I don't want to like do like a blanket thing. Um, but sometimes the reason why it's more diagnosed in boys in childhood than it is in girls is because girls have more of the internal hyperactivity where, you know, they're the daydreamers, they're distracted, but they're not acting out in class. Whereas the boys, they tend to have more of the external hyperactivity. So they're the ones that are getting diagnosed because they're acting out a lot. Um, and disrupting the class. Right. And so taking children out of the picture, um, being an adult diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, um, how would you say that it presents differently in adults versus children? Uh, wow. So in adults versus children, 
A lot of the same ways, honestly. You know, my daughter has ADHD as well, and I see her struggling with a lot of the same things that I struggle with. Um, it's just the difference of is school impacted or is work impacted? Um, you know, I'm constantly late to things. I have trouble sitting at the computer for long stretches of time to complete my charting and my paperwork, whereas she's struggling to sit still for long periods of time to do her math homework. So it's really a lot of the same difficulties. It's just what we're applying them to. I think, too, for us as adults, we also have had the ability to create coping mechanisms. Um, Absolutely. We had it for so long. So when it comes to, you know, a lot of the outbursts that come, like the emotional outbursts that are apparent in young boys and girls that have ADHD, we we have a better handle on that. And we can't really rely on it as an excuse either. <laughs> like if we well, throw we, a temper tantrum. We sometimes, we sometimes have a better handle on it. Um, like, I mean, you and my, you and me, even there've been plenty of times where we've gotten in silly little arguments because someone said something that wasn't meant to be taken as an insult or whatever. And we have zero emotional dysregulation. So all of a sudden I think you hate me or you think I hate you. When in reality, we're like, what's her problem? What's going on? (laughs) What did I do? Yeah. So Uh, so emotional dysregulation, just because a lot of people may not know what that is, um, It happens a lot with ADD. It's basically you have a sunburn and someone slaps you playfully. And because you have that sunburn, it's really, really painful. Um, So, you know, if someone says something like, oh, you're so chatty today, you might take that as a really deep insult and be really wounded by it. Right. You have an immediate emotional reaction to a statement that you're not, you don't have that voice that allows you to stop and be like, what did they mean by that? Yeah, there is no stopping. There's just reacting. (laughs) So what are some treatment options um, for people with ADHD? Um, Well, so after you're officially diagnosed with ADHD, um, the best thing you can do is learn about it. Uh, Read books, go online. There's lots of helpful like YouTube videos. Uh, One of my favorite people is How to ADHD. So learning about it is definitely the most important thing. Um, of course there's medication, which I, you know, I take medication, um, when I'm working. So you get the raw unmedicated version today, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's important to know with the medication that it's not a cure. It's very helpful for when you take it, but you also want to develop tools for when you're not taking the medication. Um, so that's why learning about it is so important. There's also like therapy, talk therapy is really helpful and they can help you kind of put some more tools in your toolbox. Um, but I would say, while medication is wonderful and I definitely rely on it to get it through my work. Don't rely on it completely because, you know, once I lost my meds and I couldn't refill them for three weeks and I was a basket case because I forgot all the, the tools in my toolbox. Right. It's, it's so important to, create an environment that is conducive to your ADHD, as well as doing the research to inform yourself on the other treatment options aside from medication. Medication should always be the last part of your treatment plan. Right. An important part, but the last part. Yeah. Right. So what, what do you think someone should do Um, if they think they have ADHD or they think someone that they love or know has ADHD? What would be good outlets for them or a good process for them to go through? I I would definitely start with your primary care provider. 
Um, and, you know, you can say, you know, I think I might have ADHD, but really just talk honestly about your symptoms because ADHD can look like a lot of other things and a lot of other things can look like ADHD if you don't know what exactly to look for. So you may end up being diagnosed with anxiety and depression and a whole bunch of other stuff um, and not ADHD or vice versa. You may think that you have anxiety and, you know, OCD or whatever it may be, and it could just be manifestations of ADHD. So really starting with a medical professional is key because um, that's the only way you're going to get an accurate diagnosis. And the diagnosis process can take some time because mm. uh, your primary may not feel comfortable diagnosing you themselves. They may need to refer you to a therapist, psychologist, what have you, um, to get more more information because ADHD, there's not like one simple done test. You know, it's not like one right. done to say, yes, you have it. It's a complete system review. It's a history. You know, these need to have been symptoms that you've had since childhood. It can't just be they come up out of nowhere because that's something else then. Right. Yeah, this is this is the and that that is sort of the great thing. One of the many great things about ADHD is it is very trackable. Um, Unlike unlike a a lot of other um, I hate using the word disorder, but for the for the sake of um, consistency, we will. A lot of other disorders um, can can just sort of manifest um, where ADHD is. I believe the statistic is 70 percent of the time is hereditary um, and always presents in childhood prior to adulthood. Right. And the important thing to remember with that is a lot of people get diagnosed as an adult either because they have a kid who gets diagnosed and then they're like, oh, wait, that's me. Or because their their responsibilities change. You know, maybe their ADHD didn't affect them in school too much, but then they get a new job where their responsibilities are different and that's when it starts really affecting their life. Ooh, you just created the perfect segue for when and how were you diagnosed with ADHD? Oh, yeah. So um, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm a nurse. Uh, I'm a home health nurse. And so that means, you know, I go into people's homes and see them in the home. And so a lot of times that means the charting ends up coming home with me, which, you know, I didn't really struggle too much with charting when it was in the facility. I stayed late a lot of times because, well, it takes me longer to get through stuff like that, but I got it done. Um, (laughs) But when I started having to bring it home, I really, really struggled with getting my charting completed, which caused me a lot of anxiety and panicking. And so I went to my doctor for mostly anxiety. Um, And then after reviewing all of my symptoms, uh, she was like, it's pretty clear that this is ADHD. And so she's like, she prescribed me medication. She's like, we're going to know right away whether or not it works for you. And um, I took those meds the first day and it was like someone clicked on the light. And I was just yep. like, is this how everyone else feels normally? <laughs> it, it was the most amazing, remarkable thing in the world. Um, and, you know, then I told my mom about it after I I had like hyped myself up because in my family, like mental health was not something that was talked about. So I was really nervous about her reaction. So like six months after my diagnosis, I called my mom and told her and she's like, oh, I could have told you that. <laughs> so she knew all the while that I probably had ADHD. She just didn't think I needed help because, you know, I was I was a straight A student. So I didn't need the help as much as a kid, I guess. Right. And and so 
knowing that, and, and, and this is something that is sort of atypical in a lot of children that are diagnosed with ADHD, school is a very difficult place for a, a child with ADHD most of the time. And it's so not, not even so really well. most of the time, some of the time, um, because it's, it's actually most of the time, a lot of people with ADHD are very, very intelligent, so they can kind of skate by. Um, it's the ones that, you know, either have severe ADHD or have that really external hyperactivity that get diagnosed in school. Right. They Um, have the hyperactivity component. Yeah. But, you know, the people who have the internal, um, ADHD, you know, they, they could be good students, you know, they might be like the average student or even the straight A student like I was, if they have enough tools in their tool basket, or if they have enough, you know, just natural intelligence, um, you know, we're the creative types. So they're, right. they're, they're the drama kids and the band kids. And so for you, knowing that you had it as a child, looking back, what symptoms um, or behaviors did you display that would be typical of an ADHD child? Uh, well, I guess I'll just say some common phrases that I've heard people tell me when I was a child. Uh, Amy, please remember to raise your hand in class. <laughs> Amy, you're talking too fast. Amy, you told me the story a million times already. <laughs> Things like that. Um, I was always interrupting. I was always a chatterbox. People called me annoying sometimes, but I was also always the life of the party. Right. We and and it's it's so funny because you and I have always been very alike on a multitude of levels. And so having also been undiagnosed as a child and hearing all of those exact same things, you sort yep. of back and you're like oh no wonder everyone called me a space cadet and and no no wonder every time I went to tell a story the teacher rolled their eyes at me and you don't realize how frequently you drew attention to yourself because you didn't have that filter that stopped that's supposed to stop you from just bursting things out oh yeah I had Um, I had no idea and you know I would feel kind of embarrassed afterwards like if I had interrupted someone like the fourth time in the conversation (laughs) after I interrupt them I think in my head man I really need to stop doing that and then I'll do it again two seconds later right because you don't remember because it's it's fleeting and then you have another super interesting thing at the forefront of your mind and you're like oh I need to say this too yep yep um so what now that now that you are um that you are diagnosed and you are medicated and you know you've done the research and you are very familiar with what ADHD is and how it presents what are some of your favorite things about having ADHD uh hyper focusing i have a love hate relationship with it <laughs> um so hyper focusing basically means that you can focus on something so intently that you tune everything else out including time Uh, Time doesn't matter. Distractions don't matter. Kids don't matter. Nothing. You are so intently focused. Um, Even if you are hyper-focusing on scrolling through pointless stuff on Facebook, Mm -hmm. it happens. That's when it's not so great. Um, But it is really great if you're trying to finish a project. And uh, typically, I will only be able to hyper-focus on things that are interesting to me. So right. if I'm enjoying doing something, I can hyper focus on it and I can I can get it done. Um, like I'm a crocheter, so I crochet a lot of things. And if I'm working on a project like making a stuffed animal for one of my kids, I can hyper focus on it and finish it in one night. 
I mean, I might stay up until 5 a.m., <laughs> but it's worth it to see my kids smile when I give it to them. Right. What so about focusing? Yep. Uh, creativity is definitely another big one. Um, I mean, people with ADHD are very, very creative. They're very innovative. You know, we're the inventors. We're the entrepreneurs of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I have out-of-the-box ideas a lot of the time because our brain works in a very different way. Right. So I might have an idea to solve a problem for a patient at work and people will be like, wow, I never would have thought of that. And I'm like, really, why not? It seems simple to me. It's logical to me in my crazy brain. (laughs) So the creativity thing is great. And I like being the life of the party. You know, I used to be really embarrassed about how fast I talk, um, how loud I talk, you know, but now it's just kind of like, I've embraced it. I've embraced my crazy. And I love the fact that I talk a lot because I get to learn a lot about other people too. You know, I may talk to someone that isn't normally a chatty person and I bring it out and they get to have a conversation too. So I feel like I'm a people person and it's fun. Right. You definitely realize having this very A-type personality, this, I don't want to say abrasive, but very assertive and and forward approach to life that- I can't be abrasive. It's okay. Right. People either adore you and want to be a part of that energy or they afraid. Right, right. Or they're totally turned off by you. And and you realize that like you wouldn't want those type of judgmental people in your life anyway. Exactly. So bring on bring on the crazy, bring on the the dysfunctional, and and you just create this beautiful circle of of compassionate people who are all in one way or another struggling with with the same thing yeah I mean you've been to one of my game nights and I think when when I first invited you the way I described it was we're a bunch of misfits yeah it's the island of misfit toys and like it's the only island I want to be on exactly and it's probably one of the most fun group of people I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of and it's because we're all we're all a little uh I don't know if we can swear here, so I'll say we're all a little effed up. You can. You can swear. I'll just make it explicit when I post it. <laughs> <laughs> so just to um, hop hop back on the, the outline, because welcome to the ADHD You Might Be Here All Day podcast. Um, you had mentioned <laughs> earlier that uh, your daughter has ADHD. Um, yeah. how, did you, how did you discover uh, and realize that she has it? Uh, well, as I was learning about my own ADHD, it it was just obvious. It became obvious really, really quickly, um, especially because she is completely different than my other two kids. You know, I have a 10-year-old and a six-year-old as well. She's the middle child. Uh, she's going to be eight um, in just a couple weeks. I and know. she's just, I know, she's so big now. She's just very, very different from them. She struggles in a lot of different things. You know, if you are trying to give her instructions, Like if it's bedtime and you want to say, hey, go get in your jammies, go brush your teeth, get into bed and call me when you're ready and I'll read you a bedtime story. She may only do one of those or none of those because she can't remember all the instructions. Right. You have to really break it down and kind of guide her through it. So I'll have to say, okay, go get in your jammies. Then she gets in her jammies. Okay, now brush your teeth. And I have to give it step by step, even though it's the same routine every night. Um. And, you know, she was definitely struggling at school when she started going to school. And uh, 
and she was like me, you know, once she learned how to talk, she never shut up. And <laughs> she would talk to you even like, say you were talking to someone else. She would talk to you even if your head was turned and you were talking to someone else and she would just keep going. <laughs> yep. And so, how, how old was she when, when you had her diagnosed? She had just started kindergarten. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, we brought her to my doctors and the great thing is my doctor is also her doctor. So she was really familiar with me. She was the one who diagnosed me. And I was like, I think she inherited this from me. And she's like, yeah, I have to say, I think you're right. Um, and we, we did start her on a low dose of medication. And the way we dealt with that is I, I give Maddie the power over it. So I tell her that besides school, she can decide when and when she doesn't want to take it. Um, so she hasn't taken her medication in a while now with the quarantine going on. And yep. it's kind of a, a struggle for everyone. <laughs> but it's her choice. You know, I'm not going to be the mom who pumps my kids full of meds just because it makes it easier to deal with. I want her to take her medication if she feels it helps her. Right. Um, and, you know, she actually decided to switch her medication recently um, at her doctor's appointment. I let her take the rings and ask any questions she wants. And she asked her doctor if she could try something else because she wanted to be able to eat lunch at school. And she had a little bit of the appetite suppressant. So she wasn't hungry at lunchtime. Right. And so they switched her meds. So she has the control over it. So since you both have ADHD, how have you noticed um, a difference between your relationship with her and your relationship with your other kids? Oh, she, she thinks it's special. She really does. She loves sharing something with me. Um, and the way we describe it to her is we say that you have a speedy brain, just like me, and that your medication helps your brakes work better. So, you know, when we're when we're doing something together, like we we were watching Doctor Who together and she turns to me and she goes, Mommy, I think the doctor has a speedy brain like us. And she just loved that. You know? So she she feels connected to me in a way that the other kids don't, I think. Have you noticed any special skills or talents that she has that are a, a result of her also having ADHD? Well, I don't know if this is as a result of her having ADHD, but I think it helps her ADHD. She is an amazing dancer. Um, we started her in dance class when she was three years old mm -hmm. and she's stuck with it since she's really into tap right now. And so there's something about physical repetitive movement that makes the ADD brain really, really happy. Yes. And yeah. And so not only has it helped her ADD, but I think it's helped her to manage her ADD in a situation where she has to listen to instructions and participate in a class setting and everything. Um, so I think that's part of it. And, you know, just the, the, the fun, loving, energetic kind of, personality that I have she definitely got that from me um and yeah the dancing though is really awesome to see you know it was it was funny because um so my my oldest son uh also was just recently diagnosed with ADHD and we've been working with a psychologist um to figure out what we can do at home to help him manage it because he's not even five yet so we we're, we're really not looking to medicate him yet and um one of the things did they suggest dance? No, but so what, what they did say, and in one of the books that um, I actually listened to a podcast uh, that had Ed Hallowell on it, who is an incredible author for anyone 
um, listening who, who wants to learn more about ADHD, I highly recommend anything written by him. Um, but one of the things that he stresses is that children with ADHD do well with balance physical activity. Um, mm -hmm. This involves or includes dance, um, learning to ride a bike, learning to ride a skateboard. And so we just took the training wheels off of my four and a half year old's bike. Yay! And he is doing incredible because it stimulates that part of the cerebellum that allows you to focus. Yes. And so anything that requires a repetitive balancing movement is basically a, a home remedy for ADHD. So, yeah, and the more often you do it, it can actually help. It, it can act like medication for your brain too. If you do it every day. Yep, exactly. So every day we try and get Oliver out, you know, as long as it's nice, uh, get him out on the bike. And then, um, if not, he also likes to run, which is great because I love to run. Um, so physical activity in general is just great medicine, um, or great, a great coping mechanism for ADHD. Um, Absolutely. so shifting gears again, um, you mentioned that you are a, a home care nurse. So yeah. how, how does having ADHD affect your career as a nurse negatively? Uh, well, the, the documentation, um, <laughs> is a huge part of it, which is a whole nother thing because I feel like, uh, in healthcare, it should be about the patient, not so much about the documentation. You know, we do need some, but right now it's very money focused and it's click these boxes. So we get paid, but that's a right. rant I'll go on another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, it's the documentation I struggle with mostly. And also the time management. Um, you know, I'm a home health nurse. I'm going to my patient's home. I'm setting up the times I'm going to be there. And the patients that know me really well, I'll call them and I'll say, Hey, I'm planning on being there around 1130. And they say, okay, see you around noontime. <laughs> so, you know, because, um, as someone with ADHD, uh, we have very difficult times managing our time because our version of time is now or not now. So right. it's hard for us to say, oh, this task is going to take about 30 minutes. We may guess that, but in reality, that task takes 45 minutes and it always has taken 45 yeah. minutes. We're just bad at telling time. <laughs> uh, so that's a big part of it. Yeah. So how, how do you think it's, it's influenced your job positively? Um, because I'm a people person, uh, you know, I'm very empathetic. And so I always say that if not for the charting piece, I would probably be the most amazing nurse in all of existence. Um, <laughs> because I really connect with my patients. Uh, and I think the ADD has a big part of that. And it also allows me to hyper-focus in my nurse brain. I don't really know how to describe that any other way. It's like um, when you walk into a room and you know within 30 seconds if that patient is in trouble or not. It, it wow. allows me to hyper-focus in that world so that I pick up on little subtleties that someone else may not notice. And um, I feel like I've actually saved patients' lives before because of it. So what, what made you want to become a nurse in the first place? I saw this on the outline and I groaned. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, it's my least favorite question in the world um, because there's no deep story behind That's okay. it. That's I right. was watching House while I was filling out my college applications. I was watching House with my dad and I got to the point where it said to put a major down and I said, I have no idea what to put. And my dad says, why don't you be a doctor like House? 
And I said, no, that's too much money. How about a nurse? And so I put down nursing and it ended up being the best decision. But I guess that that story kind of goes into ADHD because it was an impulsive decision that defined a huge moment in my life. You know, I'm a nurse and that's my identity now, but I am that because I impulsively decided to while watching House with my dad. And so do you, do you feel satisfied with your career choice? Do you feel like, like this, this is your calling? This is what you were meant to do? Absolutely. I feel like my impulsivity is usually right. And that's dangerous way of thinking. (laughs) (laughs) But you are applying it in a a healthy environment. So you're, you're finding in a healthy way. (laughs) Um, So so that being said, um, I just want to take a few minutes to, again, we're, I'm going to refer back to Ed Hallowell. He yeah. um, has this thing called the cycle of excellence, which is a a five-step, I don't want to call it a program, but I, I guess a five, five-step series to succeeding as an adult with ADHD. And so um, a lot of adults that struggle with ADHD struggle because they do not, they are not in the right career. Right. So, right. So the, the, the first step, you know, is selecting a, a job that includes what you're good at, what you like and what adds value to the world. And right. so for you, you were able to find that in, in being a nurse. Right. And actually um, a lot of people with ADHD end up going into the medical community do you know, like, is, is there a statistic as to why that is? Um, well, it, it's, uh, I, I forget which author I read that said it, but um, a lot of people with ADHD end up in the medical community, like nursing, or they end up becoming teachers um, or, or owning their own business, entrepreneurs. Those are like the top three choices for people in um, the ADHD world. And it's, it's probably... Um, heavily influenced by the second part of the cycle, which is making a connection, you know, as, yes. as, a, as you're helping people as a teacher, you're teaching people. Um, and any entrepreneur is trying to create something to benefit the community. And the other thing uh, too, is I don't know if uh, you've ever had the experience where someone says, slow down, you're driving too fast. And you think in your head, but I drive better when I'm driving fast. Have right. you ever had that? Yep. Um, <laughs> So that's, that's because uh, adrenaline is basically, um, it's basically Adderall that your body makes. Yep. Uh, so we focus really, really well. We, we handle situations of high stress really, really well. Um, so imagine you're an ER nurse or an ICU nurse. You constantly have that flow of adrenaline. So you're killing it all day long because that's what your brain loves. Right. And I think for us too, um, Again, it plays into the the third part of the cycle, which is which is play. You know, yes. doing something that is is fun and it boosts morale and it reduces your anxiety. Um, for me, that play is when I run. And one of my biggest struggles, and my my running coach used to yell at me about this, was I go too fast, and she she couldn't stress to me enough. Like you need to slow down. You're going to burn out. And it's like, but I feel better when I go fast. I, I can think better. I'm performing better. And my, my pace is more constant, the faster I'm going now, granted, I 
suffered an injury a year ago because I thought I could do nine miles at a pace that was way faster than I should have been going. But in my head, I felt great. Yeah. So, so like my, for, for you, I would say to try to curb your pacing is to try to make a game of it somehow. Right. Like change, you know, change the mentality. Like there's like the step pacing running where you do 10 jogging, 10 running, 20 jogging, 20 running and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, also just make up a game in your head for whatever. Like I'm going to run my fastest pace to that mailbox and then I'm going to bring it back like I'm supposed to. Um, <laughs> just to keep you interested in following the rules, so to speak, because we don't like rules. Um, right. And but my version of play is, uh, is Legos. I love Whoa. Legos. I did not know that about you. Yeah, well, I mean, you saw the uh, Doctor Who Lego set my husband got me for my anniversary. I did see um, that, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I love Legos because it's... I, I like the ones where you follow the directions to build something really, really cool. And um, it's just very soothing, especially if I've had a really hard day, if, like, my anxiety is ramped up to 10 and I'm, like, kind of overwhelmed doing Legos is so helpful to help me get out of that. Right. It, it's just sort of like hitting the reset button for you. Yeah. Cause it, it's fun. It's creative, but it's also repetitive. Right. No, I, I, and you know, it's funny as I've, I've been trying to find that too for myself, like that thing that I can do to like bring me down when I'm up at a 10. And when I'm able to running works great for that. But when it's like nine o'clock at night, and I need to go to bed because I have to be up at five the next morning. I can't go run five miles. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I, I would be careful if you choose Legos at nine o'clock at night when you want to get to bed, because you'll probably find yourself staying up till 2 a.m. doing Legos then. <laughs> so so um, there. <laughs> there's, there's no easy way to segue back into this. So I'm just going to hop back into it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Step four of the cycle uh, is grapple and grow. And so that's sort of hitting roadblocks and, and finding ways to move past them. Um, basically learning to master your skill. And, um, you know, that can be taking for you, that would be like maybe doing a CEU um, or, you know, learning a new technique for um, wound care, um, but finding things that are challenging and, and being yeah. the best at this thing that, that really makes you feel whole. So for you, what, what would you say like a grapple and grow has been for you in your career? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm going to take the, the meaning of grapple and grow a little bit differently. Cause what I see that is an like grapple a current struggle in your life and grow from it. So like I've already mentioned, one of my big struggles is my documentation and my time management and work. And so I grappled that recently. And one of the things I do, well, first of all, I have a post-it note on the dashboard of my car saying set a timer, which is mm. my cue to set a timer to go off if it's time to leave the patient's home. Because as we know, I'm a talker. I will do all of my nursing stuff first, my full physical assessment, do any teaching I need to do. And then I'll just sit and talk with my patient. And they love that. And I think it's really important. But at the same time, I go too far. Right. And I'll just stay in chat for forever because I love my patients. Yep. And so I start setting a timer to say it's time to go. And that way I have time to do my work in between my visits. So that's a big grapple and grow for me because that means I get to spend more time with my family. 
That's awesome. I like, I like that a lot. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's in order for us to be and this is such an overused phrase, but like the best version of ourselves, um, we have to be willing to tackle the parts of us that we see as good things. Um, but to, to better ourselves for other right. people as well. And, and, and don't worry, I still allow like 10 minutes of just chat time because I'm, I'm not crazy. Come on. <laughs> and, and I think that that is where you hit step five too, is, is shine. You know, like it is very clear that you are passionate about your job and that, you know, you feel valued for what you do. And, and that is, that's what keeps people who are like us, who have ADHD, doing the things that we love is because we know we're making a difference. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so I, I think, <laughs> say it again. I love my patients and I love my job. So that's wonderful. I am, I am still trying to figure that out, but I will get there. Um, <laughs> I've been, I've been talking to uh, my husband about, you know, possible massive career shifts. Um, and it's not going to be something that can happen anytime soon. Um, but it, it's certainly not something that I'm going to lose sight of because I think it is, it is crucial, um, to being successful uh, as an adult with ADHD. You, you've got to do what feels right. It needs to feel fun to you, you know? Right. You, you if have it, to if have... it feels like work, it probably isn't right for you. Right. And, and I've, you're not the first person who, who has said that to me um, as an adult with ADHD uh, because it's so easy to just fall into something because it's a paycheck. And then you start resenting all of these other aspects of your life because you're not happy. Um, exactly. The things that, like with my, that Ed Hallowell. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I said with my job, you know, most of it feels like play because I just have such a great time with my patients and I really enjoy doing the work that I do. I have like 20% of it that feels like work which I guess is kind of what we have to take, but. Right. And I think that's, that's a healthy, like if 80, 20 is, is your like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ratio. Your ratio. Yeah. Your ratio or your distribution of labor. Like I feel like if 80% of the time you love your job, that's, that's a pretty fair compromise. Absolutely. Um, and again, so one of the things that, that Ed Hallowell stretches specifically, or uh, stresses specifically for people with ADHD is being in the right job and being married to the right person because yes. you have, you have to have your life partner understand the way your brain works. And yes. if, if they're not willing to accept the fact that you left the keys in the front door for the fifth day in a row, it's not going to work out. And, and you need to have a partner who's willing to take suggestions. Like when we started learning about my ADHD, one of the things I told my husband is, if you want me to remember what you say to me, because a lot of times he'll tell me something, I'll even acknowledge that he told me something and I'll oh, have no yeah. idea what he said. <laughs> yep. So I said, if you want me to remember something, if it's something important, I need you to touch me on my shoulder and wait for me to turn and look at you in the eyes because that's the only way I'm going to remember it. And that's, so that's great. once he did that, it was, it was life-changing. <laughs> and so I want to, to give you the opportunity now um, to ask me some yes. questions. 
<laughs> so I have two questions. Okay. Um, so my Perfect. first question is, what's the fav your favorite thing about yourself that some might consider a flaw? Ooh, that's a good right? one. I know. Oh, I like that. Um, my favorite thing about myself that some people consider a flaw. Hmm. I think I am really good at telling stories. Um, when I have a, a memory or, or a story to tell, I feel like I can, I can captivate an audience with that story. And no matter how long it takes, um, I, I can tell when someone is paying attention to me and, you know, I sort of get into that flow state when I'm telling that story and I like reading their reactions and, you know, feeling that just intensity of focus. Um, and the problem with that is as soon as that story comes to the forefront of my mind, I will interrupt whoever's talking to tell it. Yes. And, um, I, I know I have felt the aggravation from people initially when I start telling that story. Um, but as but I get, get about into it, right, I get like halfway or three quarters of the way into the story and they are in it. And I, like, I feel bad at first because I'm like, oh, Chelsea, you did it again. But then I'm like, no, this is a really good story. They're going to they're gonna want to hear this. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. They'll understand. They'll forgive me after. <laughs> so I think my, my storytelling is a um is one of my better skills that that people might have an issue with sometimes. <laughs> All right. So my second question for you is for toilet paper, over, under, or don't care. <sighs> hmm. I feel like this is a trap. Um so I am going to say under only because the one time that I had it over and I was, you know, folding the toilet paper as you do before the wiping commences <laughs> mid fold, there was a spider on <gasps> no. the side of this toilet paper. And so since that moment, I have never had my toilet paper be fed over. It is under all the time, no matter what. Oh, that is terrifying. I don't want to argue with you at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that is um, my answer is don't care. I honestly put it both ways and it drives people insane because it's different every time. Yeah, like if I go to someone's house and the toilet paper is over, like I, I just have to check. Like I'll lift it and look underneath before I pull it because I was traumatized. I was now, traumatized. Now, um, if you're in someone else's house and you use the last of the toilet paper, do you replace it in the same direction they had it? No, I always make sure it's under. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and and I have been, and it was funny. I thought you were going to ask me, do I replace it, period? Because if you don't replace it, you're just a dick. Yeah, if you don't replace it, you're an ass. I mean, it's, come right, on. Right. So I just always make sure that oh. it's it's under. It has to be. Like I don't want okay. them to be afraid. That's all. I, <laughs> I don't want them to have uh, spiders. Yeah, no spiders. I hate spiders, so I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So um, in closing, um, I want to uh, give you the opportunity to just address our listeners um, and, 
you know, if say someone's listening to this and they, they think they might have ADHD or they love someone who they think does, um, what would some words of encouragement be that you have for them? So the first thing I would say is, is if you think you have ADHD or have been diagnosed with ADHD, um, there's nothing wrong with you. I am actually a firm believer that uh, ADHD used to be in almost everyone and we've evolved out of it because society developed and it's not meant for, you know, organization or whatever. So you're just, you're the original OG, you know, you are the original people. So that's how I feel about ADHD and there's nothing wrong with it. It's super creative. It's super fun. And just to ask your doctor for help getting diagnosed and get medication if you feel like you need that. And if you have a loved one with ADHD, ask them how you can help, um, how you can support them. And if they don't know, research it on your own and try to get some ideas because people with ADHD beat themselves up a lot and we don't need that. Um, you know, we need to be lifted up and we need to stop beating ourselves up. Wonderful. Amy, thank you so much for um, being here today and uh, letting me ask you all sorts of questions. Um, yeah, thank you for dealing with my craziness because I'm not medicated. <laughs> I think the best you is the OG authentic you. Me too. Thank you so much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Amy Dowland, 30-year-old nurse with ADHD and one of the most fantastic brains I know. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for once again tuning in to another episode of A Spell for Wellness. I'm going to include some resources in the description of the podcast that can help you or maybe someone you know better understand the brain of someone with ADHD. And if you yourself have ADHD, a way to change how you think about it. One of the best things I learned with my diagnosis is it is not a bad thing and I would not be who I am if I didn't have ADHD and I am finally on the road to not only liking who I am but loving who I am and allowing that love to carry me places I never thought I could go. You are all wonderful fantastic, and I would not be here if it wasn't for you. Once again, I want to thank Amy for her honesty, for her transparency, and for being her most authentic self. Because at the end of the day, if we can't be who we are, we're not anyone at all. Thank you again. Be well. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.